Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to subscribe to our Journey Callaway YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. If it's your first time, you couldn't have picked a better time to tune in because we are starting this brand new three-episode series called Scared to Death. So what scares you? I mean, we've all got some basic fears. You're scared of heights, you're scared of the dark, you're scared of spiders, you're scared of snakes, scared of sharks, scared of tornadoes, scared of sharknadoes. All of us are scared of something at the basic level, right? But what we're going to be talking about in this series is a little deeper. What are some of those deeper fears that tend to drive some of our behaviors and, quite honestly, can lead us in some unhealthy directions? What are the fears that are holding you back? What are the fears that, well, they're creating tension in your marriage. They're creating a little bit of conflict in your relationships. They cause you to stay distant from your friends. What are the fears that are impacting the way you parent? What are the fears that are driving anxiety inside of you? Those are the fears that you've got to be able to figure out how to deal with or else, as I said, they will lead you somewhere you absolutely do not want to go. And let's be honest, 2020, it has given us plenty to fear, hasn't it? There's a pandemic, plenty of things to fear around that. There's an election, well, there's plenty of stuff to fear around that. As a matter of fact, you just need to realize even after the election is over, the fear is not going to disappear because half of our country is going to wake up the morning after the election and they're going to be afraid. They're going to be afraid of what's going to happen over the next four years because the person they supported didn't win and the person they opposed, well, they're in the White House. So when you wake up the morning after the election, if your candidate won and you're thrilled, just remember about half the people you run into, well, they may not feel that way. They may be scared to death. There's plenty to fear around the election for people. There's plenty to fear around our economy. Everybody's wondering what's going to happen and Will things bounce back and will they rebound and will I lose my job, keep my job? Will, you know, will my business be able to recover? There's a lot to fear in this season of life. So for the next three episodes, we're going to have a very candid conversation, not just around the fears that we experience that tend to drive our behavior, sometimes in ways we don't even realize, but we're going to have a candid conversation around how you overcome those fears, what you do with them. You see, fear, if it's left unchecked, it will control you. Fear, if it's left unchecked, well, it wants the steering wheel of your life. It's going to drive you where you don't want to go. So we're going to jump into it right now. And what I want to do is I want to talk about the kind of fear that's driven by three things. The kind of fear that's driven by the uncertainty of your future. We all have felt fear around that. That's reflected in the anxiety of your present. A lot of you are dealing with anxiety right now. That's understandable. And the fear that is prompted by the experiences of your past. As we go throughout this series, we're going to address all three of those. But let me start by giving us a basic definition and getting us on the, some common ground when it comes to what we mean by fear. So fear is an emotion. This is how I'm going to define it for the purpose of this series. It's an emotion. It is a feeling. Okay? Fear is a feeling. Fear is an emotion that's stirred by the news we consume. It's stirred by social media. It is stirred by the messages we hear. It's stirred by our awareness of everything going on around us. You realize we're more aware today of things that are happening around the world than any generation before, and that tends to generate and stir up a lot more fear. So fear is an emotion. Now, this next part's important. It's an emotion that's caused by belief. Now, you can't control your feelings. You can't control your emotions. 
but you can control your beliefs. And what you believe, what you think about, determines what you feel, and then what you feel determines how you act. So if you want to deal with your fear, the place you start, the route to change, is actually to go all the way back to what you're believing. If you feel fear, it's because you believe something will happen or has happened to you that has generated or created that fear inside of you. Fear is an emotion. It's caused by a belief of impending potential loss. Ultimately, this is why we all feel fear, because we either feel like we have or will potentially lose something. Now, while there are a lot of different fears that drive us, I think we can generally take most of them and drop them into one of four buckets. In other words, there there are four different buckets of loss, if you will, that tend to be a catalyst or a spark for fear inside of us. A lot of us, we fear the loss of health. If you're afraid of getting sick, if you're afraid of getting hurt, if you're afraid of dying, if fears surrounding that tend to drive your behaviors in some way, well, that's simply because you're afraid of the loss of health. It's understandable. A lot of people feel that way. There's another bucket, and it's a loss of control. I think we can all relate to this one, can't we? Because whenever you find yourself in a circumstance where you feel like you no longer have autonomy or you no longer have influence in terms of controlling your future, of what's going to happen, of um, whether you're going to be independent or not, well, that generates a whole lot of fear. This is why we fear losing a job. This is why we fear losing income. Because whenever we lose those things, it signifies to us that maybe we're losing some control. Maybe we're losing some influence over our own future. And we all tend to fear that. We also fear the loss of separation. For some of you, this is a big one. You're afraid of losing someone that you care about deeply. You know, whether it's you're single and you're afraid you're never going to be with somebody and there's a fear of loneliness, you're going to be separated. Whether it's a fear of my spouse might walk out on me one day, what happens if they walk out, I don't know if I could handle it. If it's a fear of something might happen to your kids or your kids may move away one day and then what would I do because your life just feels like it's intertwined with your kids and you always want them to be there close. Whatever the case may be, this drives a lot of our behaviors. As a matter of fact, this is why on the kid's side, this is why parents tend to be overprotective. If you know an overprotective parent, it's because they have a loss of separation. They may not even realize it, but they're afraid of what would happen to their life if something happened to their kids. Now, there's a healthy version of that, but there's also an unhealthy version we've all seen. And then there's a fourth bucket of loss. It's a loss of failure. It's a loss that comes from failure. This has everything to do with our ego. This is the belief that if I fail, then I'm losing some sense of my dignity, my value, my worth. If I fail, if they see me fail, I'm going to be humiliated. If I fail, then I'm going to lose their respect. This, for some of us, is what is behind us driving so hard to be so good at everything. Or this may be behind why you drive your spouse to be a certain way, why you drive your kids to achieve certain things. Because in your mind, and again, you don't consciously always connect these dots, but the thought is, well, if my spouse doesn't achieve this and accomplish this and and become this kind of person, if my kids don't achieve this and end up at this school or make it on that team or whatever it is for you, well, you feel like you're going to look like a failure as a spouse. You're going to look like a failure as a parent. You don't want that to be true. So you drive other people or you drive yourself hard because you're trying to avoid the losses that come from failure. We all know what it's like to end up in these buckets. We all know what it's like to feel the fear that surrounds these four things. But here's the thing. Behind all of that fear, behind all of that fear, is the sense that I am losing control of my own future. Fear is grabbing the steering wheel. And as I've said, 
it ends up taking us in a direction and down a road that we just don't want to travel. I think fear is behind a lot of the struggles that we have in life. It's behind the tension in our marriage. It's behind the communication issues at work. It's behind our inability, our reluctance, our hesitancy to pursue our dreams or to achieve goals. And maybe this is the most important reason you and I should deal with this. Fear is often behind our unwillingness or inability to trust God and to pursue his purpose and live out his purpose for our lives. So, that brings up the question, is there a way to avoid it? Because fear just seems natural in life, right? So, is there a way to face things that, well, you have every right to be afraid of, but navigate through those circumstances, those situations, those relationships, without letting fear take the steering wheel of your life? And I think the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Because fear has a kryptonite, if you will. There is an antidote to fear. But it is not what you think it would be. If I ask you, well, what's the opposite of fear? You might say courage. Courage is a great thing. But courage is not the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear is another word. A word none of us ever connect with courage. But hopefully, as you're going to see today, it is the thing that will help you begin to overcome whatever fear is holding you back in life. And it is the word love. Love. Now... Don't check out on me because this isn't a sentimental kind of love. This isn't an emotional kind of love. For all of you who, well, maybe you're like me and you're, to put it tactfully, you have limited emotional range, okay? That's a nice way of saying you don't feel a lot. This probably doesn't resonate with you. But hang with me for just a minute because this really is the thing that can help you overcome any fear that you're dealing with right now. Now, the reason I know that is because, among other things, John, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples, he wrote often in the New Testament documents that he wrote, he wrote often about the connection between love and fear. Now remember, John had spent three years with Jesus, so he had seen love in its purest form. He had seen love in its strongest form. He had seen love in its most powerful form. And as he navigated through those days with Jesus, he began to realize, wait a minute, this really is the only way to overcome the fear in my life. And so it On the other side of the resurrection, as he's writing to these first century Christians, he makes two statements. And these are the only two statements I want to read you today, and then we'll continue with this conversation the next couple episodes and dig deeper into this. But he makes two statements that if we could just understand this, it might unlock our fears. It might release us from the grip that fear has on so many of us. Here's what he wrote in 1 John 4. He said, there is no fear in love. No fear. In other words, he's saying love and fear, they can't coexist. Love and fear, they can't be in the room together. When one walks in, the other has to walk out. This is how powerful these two things are. This is how much they repel one another. You can't have them both at the same time. To which you're going, no, 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 I don't understand because I've got lots of love and yet I've got a lot of fear at the same time. Well, it's just not any kind of love. He begins to elaborate on this. He says, but perfect love drives out fear. Not just any kind of love, but perfect love drives out fear. When perfect love walks in the room, fear has to walk out. Now, what is perfect love? Well, in short, perfect love is not love that's based on your performance. It is unconditional. Perfect love is not based on what you do or what you have done. Perfect love is simply centered on who you are and, more importantly, whose you are. So, again, remember... This is John who'd spent three years with Jesus. This is John who had experienced unconditional perfect love. This is John 
who had had failure after failure after failure in front of Jesus, and he had come to realize it didn't impact, it didn't hurt, it didn't break his relationship with Jesus. This is a John, you think you've done some embarrassing things. This is a John who when one town, one village refused to let Jesus and his disciples stay with them, they said, nope, y'all are Jews, they weren't Jews, they said, we don't want you here, keep going. Well, as they walked out of town, John and his brother James, they looked at Jesus, now imagine doing this, they looked at Jesus and said, hey, you want us to go ahead and call down fire from heaven and ask God just to burn that whole town up? They can't treat you that way. How audacious do you have to be to make that request of Jesus? I think he can take care of himself. But this was John. I mean, he'd had plenty of embarrassing moments. And in spite of all his failures, in spite of all the embarrassment, in spite of the times where he humiliated himself with some of his responses, Jesus had never walked away from him. He'd never abandoned him. He had never valued him less or respected him less. And John had come to realize, this is why if you read his gospel, you'll see he doesn't describe himself in first person. He describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Because experiencing this kind of perfect, unconditional love, it had changed John's life. And so John's writing to his first century readers, and he's writing, as it were, to you and to me. And he's going, okay, I know what it's like to feel fear. I've been there. But here's what I know. Here's what I learned. Perfect love. Unconditional love. A love that's not based on performance on what I'm doing and how well I'm doing. Am I measuring up to some standard I have or somebody else has or God has for me? No, no, no. John says, perfect love. Perfect love where I'm loved not for what I do. I'm loved because of who and whose I am. That kind of love has been the antidote, John would say, to the fear in my life. And it can be the antidote to the fear in yours. Because when you know that you have the security of someone's love at that level, to that extent, to that extreme, well, even though there's plenty to be afraid of, you don't have to be afraid. Even though there's plenty to be afraid of, you know there's something that cannot be shaken or taken from you. John says, this is what I've experienced. And so, because of that, you and I can experience it too. If I could summarize what John's saying, it's this. If God is for me, no fear can rule me. If I am absolutely confident that God is for me, that he loves me unconditionally, then what fear is going to rule me? What fear can control my life? What fear can get me spinning off in a direction I don't want to go? No, if I'm certain God's with me and I'm loved unconditionally by him, if I'm certain he's for me and he's by my side, well, I'll just take whatever comes my way no matter how fearful it may be. And I'll navigate right through it because, well, Jesus is with me. And there's nothing bigger than him. This was what John was trying to drive at. This was what John was trying to help us understand. Now, if you're thinking, Matt, I, come on, there's plenty of stuff to fear. And I don't know that I trust John. I'm not sure how much credibility he has. He seems to be treating this pretty flippantly. Well, let me just remind you of a couple of things. John was standing there at the foot of the Roman cross when the best possible human died the worst possible death. John was there in Jesus' last moments. He was standing right by Jesus' mother. John watched something that everyone, including Jesus, should have been afraid of. But he watched Jesus navigate those final moments of agony and persecution and torture and suffering. He watched Jesus navigate all that absolutely confident that God was still with him. He was able to watch Jesus navigate the most fearful thing without any fear. Because Jesus knew who he was and whose he was. 
and he knew he had the love of his father. John also stared up at that Roman cross, and he knew exactly what unconditional perfect love looked like. He knew what unconditional perfect love would do for him because he had seen it as Jesus stretched out his arms and he died and then ultimately rose again to pay the penalty for John's sins, for your sins, for my sins. So as John's writing this, it's not that John hasn't seen a lot. If you don't know much of his story, after that, John ended up being hunted. He was persecuted. He was arrested. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. John experienced his fair share of suffering. John himself had plenty to be afraid of. But he was able to navigate all of that, not wishing it would happen to him, not happy it would happen to him, but he was able to navigate it with courage, without fear, because he had watched his Savior set the example. And John was able to walk through it knowing his Savior was now by his side. And the same is true for you, and the same is true for me. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you face, no matter how much anxiety it creates in you, if you can believe something different, if you can believe something different, it will change the way you experience fear. So, as we go throughout this series, I'm going to give you some really practical steps and hopefully some practical ideas on how to navigate through this. But I want to begin today by leaving you with four truths that this week I hope you'll reflect on. These are four beliefs that if you could grab hold of these and embrace them, it would begin to dissipate the fear in your life. Here's the first one. You are valuable to Jesus. You are. You're valuable to him. So you don't have to fear the loss of failure. You don't. Some of you, you've got some major failures in your past. Some of you, have got some major failures going on right now. Some of you have failures nobody else knows about yet, and you're trying to hide them, but eventually they're going to come out, and you're scared of that. But you know it's probably going to happen. Listen, you don't have to fear what that failure is going to do to your value, dignity, and worth in the eyes of your Heavenly Father. You are valuable to Jesus not because of what you do or don't do, not because of how successful you are versus how much you failed, not because of how obedient you are to God and how good a Christian you've been versus maybe not. No, you're valuable to Jesus because you were created in His image with value, dignity, and worth. You're valuable to Jesus because He died for you. He's already proven your value and worth. Remember, when he died for you, what had you done? Nothing yet. You'd done nothing good. So he died for you before you did anything for him. You're valuable to him just because of who you are and whose you are. So you don't have to fear what failure may cost you. You may deal with the consequences of a failure, but it does not have to define your life and it does not have to shape your identity. It does not impact your worth in the eyes of your Heavenly Father. And when you begin to believe that, your fear will dissipate. Here's the second belief. Jesus will never leave you. So you don't have to fear the loss of separation. Maybe your spouse has or one day will leave you. It's a terrible thing to go through, but God's not going to leave you. Maybe your kids will move away one day. Your Heavenly Father, He's not moving away. Maybe you've lost a loved one, but the one who loves you most, you cannot lose. Jesus will never leave you. So while we go through separations that are painful, while we go through separations that are difficult, listen, we're never alone in the middle of them. This is why we don't have to fear, even though there's something to be afraid of. This is why we don't have to fear potential loss in our future. 
Because the same God who is with us today will be with us tomorrow no matter what the circumstances bring. Here's the third belief. You can trust Jesus. You can. You don't have to fear the loss of control. The reality is you're not really in control of that much anyway. Neither am I. But you don't have to worry about circumstances that are out of your control. Because you know the one who is in control and he is trustworthy. If he was willing to give his life on a cross for you, I think you can trust him to want what's best for you. And then the final belief is that Jesus defeated death for you. So you ultimately don't have to fear the loss of health. If you get sick, if you get hurt, ultimately if you die, you're not alone. And you have the promise that death isn't the end for you. Then on the other side of death, guess what you get to experience? You get to experience in all of its fullness the perfect love your heavenly Father has for you. So, if you and I could just take these beliefs and begin to embrace them, it would change how we feel. And it would change what we fear. Because if God... If he's for me, well, no fear can rule me. If all of that stuff really is true, then ultimately, what is there to be afraid of? doesn't mean there aren't difficulties we don't wish we'd go through. It doesn't mean there isn't pain we wish we could avoid. It doesn't mean there aren't things that we hate to experience. But when you have confidence that God is with you in the middle of all of that, Well, you don't have to face them scared to death. You don't have to worry about what might happen in the future. There is no reason to fear potential impending loss. Because while you're not in control of your future, you know who is. And you know who's going to be there and meet you whenever that future comes. So, as we wrap up, I want to give you a couple questions as always. I hope you'll discuss these and reflect on them with whoever you're watching with, with some friends, with your small group. This will help you process and begin to work through what really might be at the root of some of your behaviors and some of my choices, the fears that may be driving us, the fears that may have the steering wheel, and we don't even realize it. So the first question is this. On a scale of 1 to 10, to what extent do fear or anxiety influence your decision-making and your quality of life? Okay, just rank it. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much does fear have an impact on you? It's important for you to be honest with yourself and honest with a few trusted friends about that. And then the second question is this. What fear do you most wish you could overcome? This is going to require a little vulnerability on your part. But if you want to overcome the fear, the first thing you have to do is drag it out into the light and acknowledge it's there. And sharing that with a trusted friend will make all the difference in the world. And then ask yourself and talk about, is it difficult for you to believe what God says is true for you? Is it really difficult for you to believe that you're valuable to Jesus You can trust him that he's already defeated death on your behalf. He's never going to leave you. He's always going to be with you. Fear is an emotion caused by a belief of impending potential harm. You want to overcome your fears? Well, we start by changing our beliefs. We start by believing what God says is true for us and about us. And the truth is, If God is for us, if he really does love us with a perfect, unconditional love, that is all the security we need. If God is for me, what fear can rule me? I can be confident in my relationship with him.
Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to have the courage to dig a little deep inside of us because none of us like to do this and not just deal with the surface behaviors or emotions we're feeling, but to get to the root of what, what fears may be driving us and why they're driving us. And then, God, would you help us to figure out what it is that makes it so difficult for us to believe that you love us perfectly and unconditionally because when we become... When we become certain of that, when we rest in that, well, fear will begin to disappear. Now, before we wrap up, there may be some of you, you've never experienced God's unconditional love. I'm talking about it, and you're sitting there thinking, you know, I, I don't know that I even know what that's like. Well, this is exactly why Jesus came, why he died, why he rose again for you. So that you could be forgiven completely, unconditionally. So you could be loved fully and absolutely. So you could be a son or a daughter of God. So your worth would not be based on what you did, what you do, what you will do. It'd be based on who and whose you are alone. So if you would like to experience that love, that forgiveness, that grace, Jesus made it as simple as he could. He's already paid the price for you. You just have to accept what he did for you. So would you just tell him right where you are, Jesus, I give you my life. Here it is. I want your forgiveness And I want to be loved unconditionally by you. Thank you for inviting me into your family. Now, if you're making that decision today, I want to know about it. I want to be able to celebrate with you, and I want to be able to get you some information just to help you better understand this decision and answer any questions you may have. So right now, if you will, grab your phone and text START NEW, all one word, to 94090. Let us know you made that decision, and we'd love to reach out and connect with you this week. Father, Thank you for those who are experiencing your grace and your love for the very first time. It really is life-changing. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you for for the, the encounter that John had with you. Thank you for the fact that he recorded for us what it was like to live in, to travel with, to be with perfect love. Thank you for this truth that there is no fear in love. Your perfect love, it really does drive out fear. Help us to embrace this. Help us to believe differently. And as we do, our fear will change. Because once we know you're for us, well, there's no fear that can rule us. Thank you that no matter how difficult a situation we may be in right now, God, we know we serve one who is in control. God, you you love to take dead ends and deliver right out of them. You love to take crucifixions. You turn them into resurrections. You turn graves into gardens for us all the time. And in those moments when it seems we should fear the most, well, that's often the moment where we meet you the greatest, the strongest, the most personal. Thank you for being a God who loves us that much. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey Callaway app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church, be sure to visit journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.